0: Hello, my name is Kevin Shields, and welcome to the Crack Trail Podcast, episode 25. I'm finally a quartered away to 100, which, considering I started this over a year ago now, is woefully fucking disappointing. Um, at this stage, I should really have probably 100 episodes, but uh, alas, I don't. Um, although I'm building back my consistency, because I only recorded an episode last week, and while I did promise... Um, to have another one out by the end of last week i was too busy fending off my house from people who arrived up to kill me like i instructed them Uh, they're all fucking dead now and they'll never be back and their families are ultra sad about it um i am quite critical of last week's episode though because see I, i i self criticize all the time with any kind of fucking thing i do whether it be writing stuff or reviewing stuff or doing this Because I'm always thinking of ways to make it better. uh, Or potentially better. Or I start seeing flaws and stuff. And. Obviously I had a modicum more fucking structure at the start of this. Because I was like you know I'm going to talk about this subject and that subject. And I died into it that way. And then it became more improvisational. And then the last few episodes have just been. I'm doing them very very quickly. uh, Off the cuff. And that's literally what I'm doing now. But I, I have a better idea of what I want to do. So. The main thing I like doing generally in life is talking about movies and what was handy about when I had Facebook is if I was talking about a movie, other people who have seen it would comment underneath and then we could fucking talk fairly in depth about it. And I find myself, see I hate spoilers, um, whether it be like, for it doesn't matter if it's a twist or even if it's just elements of the plot. I don't like giving shit away, but sometimes it's hard to actually talk about a film at all. Without spoiling. Not even spoiling. But without giving elements of the story. And the way I see it. Is. Obviously you can see some things blind. And if I say the title of a film. And a brief outline that sounds interesting. Then maybe fucking pause this and go watch it. Because I, I want to be able to actually talk about them. Not as in depth as to. Talk about the ending. But talk about more elements of it. And scenes from it. And whatever else. Because. Because when i'm when i'm doing those quick recaps i'm very i'm so briefly talking about these movies that i may as well not be i can't legally call them a review like in my head they're a review because i'm giving my opinion on what i thought of them but i'm not actually being in any way in depth or offering any real criticism of the film I'm pretty much just going it's really good but uh, i don't want to say any more about it and i'm kind of sick of doing that so unless it's a film where like it's absolutely integral that you don't know fucking anything whatsoever which in a lot of ways can be for some of these um i want to avoid doing that um and of course i was going to do no actually what happened was i had a batch of shit arrive on wednesday last week uh fucking i don't know how fucking many films but a big pile of films from indicator box sets and all and um the next batch was supposed to arrive today, and it did. So the cunts better be fucking here tomorrow. I don't want to fucking get it stuck at customs with the cheeky fuckers. I I don't maybe I mentioned this last time, but I got a box set of a fucking a few things actually. I, I talked about the Vinegar Syndrome box set, um, or not boxes, but the collection of shit I got from Vinegar Syndrome, which they provide like the best in classic trash in the best sense. So it's not like just shitty old movies. Where you're like oh, this is actually unwatchably shit these are dumb trashy fun exploitation movies 90% of the time uh, but there was a box that i saw ages ago from 88 films which was called the scream queens box set and it's essentially blonde big titted scream queens from the 80s who would scream for a lot of the movie have their tits out and they'd be quite little in the way of plot uh, they mostly just be erotic thrillers or horrors where for some reason cheerleaders are taking their tits out there's very little plot to them but they're a lot of fun. Um, and there's this box set that has three of them. And one of them, I remember seeing a clip from one of them. I think it's the one with Lena Quigley in it. Um, but the fucking special effects in the gore were some of the most horrifically brutal and real things I've ever seen. So it's like, alright, this, this film pretty much has it all then if it's going to be that good in the horror elements as well as the tits elements. So I decided I'd get that box set. But I saw it going for nine ninety nine on HMV. And I thought, right... You just to spend £20 to get free delivery to the UK. It doesn't fucking deliver here. Uh, I was always using Parcel Motel, but since Brexit came in and fucked everything, which is probably the most first world reason to, to be angry about Brexit, is that I can't get lots of films delivered to my house in comfort where I fucking watch them. Um, but they, I used to use Paris Motel. They fucked off now um, since the start of Brexit, so that's fucked everything in terms of getting deliveries. But I found, uh, and I'm willing to call them out because they're fucking shite. Uh, on post have their own fucking thing, uh, Address Pal, which is their own version of, of Parson Motel, where it's a bit pricier, but same function. Shit that doesn't deliver to Ireland will deliver to their post box in the UK and then they deliver it to you here. And that's fine. So I said I'd order that box set and I thought, well fucking it, if it's if it's twenty quid for free delivery in the UK, I may as well get a few things. So I got a pile of fucking 70s like classic thrillers and cop movies and shit. And I said, right, that's all gonna get fucking sent to that address. It goes to that address and then I get a text that says, Yo, customs on this. I thought, how the fuck's that happening if this is being couriered to my fucking house? And then it turns out that they opened it, repackaged it, and put a fucking higher price on the box. So I got charged a higher amount of customs, plus a customs fee for the cunts deliverer. And I thought, you fucking dirty bastards. So they eventually fucking dropped it. I had to pay it, because, I mean, it was there's no other way to get those things that cheap. I'm probably even now buying it fucking on Amazon. But um, they were already here, so I said, fuck it, I may get them. But Jesus Christ, I'll never buy any shit off them again. So HMV's off the list for a while. But... uh. Why the fuck did I bring those fucking movies up? Yeah, they look deadly. Anyway, it's three trashy fucking movies and that. Um, no, I've completely gone off topic as to what. No, I didn't. Um, I was just mentioning some of the shit I got. So that's that's along the same lines as the vinegar syndrome stuff. Um, but I've, I've had so many different pods of fucking these. Come, I had all the indicator stuff. More indicator stuff tomorrow, which is going to be another big fucking hammer box set. Um, and a few other seventies crime ones. I think there. Uh, I can't even remember anymore. I had three Jackie Chan movies arrive today uh, and I had fucking Humanoids of the Deep or From the Deep which I can't wait to watch. I've been fucking dying to watch it for a while now. And then uh, when I watched In Search of Darkness 2 it, it showed clips from it. And I actually skipped it. I didn't want to see any clips because it actually looked so fun. Uh, I think the basic plot is again a movie I would never get made today uh, without some very obvious on the nose commentary. But it's about these mutant fucking Creature from the Black Lagoon style Sea creatures that emerge From the ocean And just want to rape all the women on land (laughs) So it sounds like fun And uh, apparently it's really gory as well So it it, it ticks all the boxes For a a good sleazy fucking 80s horror Um, That arrived anyway from 88 films Well it was actually from Amazon uh, Who amazingly had a fucking pre-order for it Um, But the reason I bring up the films Is I was going to do a whole episode Just breaking down everything I got And I thought while I mentioned the YouTube channel the other day, I think the best way for me to actually talk about them would be on the YouTube channel. Because even on, even on Instagram, when I when I upload pictures of them, I'm very selective with the pictures because you can only upload 10 per upload. And I usually try to put a few of them on screen at a time so I don't have to keep uploading loads and loads of shit. And I don't really get to talk about the, the quality of them and fucking what's on them extras-wise and shit like that. So I'd actually love to do a fucking a full breakdown. And I am going to do that. I'm just trying to think what way I'm going to shoot it. Because... I'd, I'd be irritated being on camera. I'd, I'd feel, I already could feel my body language changing just imagining myself on camera. And I don't want to be one of these cunts you see on YouTube who does all these finger waggy fucking things. Uh, I hear the jingling of something. It sounds like a bike fucking jingling outside. Maybe it's actually, I think it's wind chimes. I don't know where they're coming from, but it's distracting the fuck out of me. I don't know if it's going to pick up on the mic though. Um, but no, there's, there's certain mannerisms YouTubers have and I, I want to avoid that as much as humanly possible. Uh, I also have to get over my irritating bullshit, uh, which, is, which is one of the reasons I started this as well is because I always had this idea that the production needs to be strong from the get-go. And then I look back on like reviewers that I liked, like, even Red Letter Media or Chris Stuckman or any of them, they started off doing it with fuck all and they eventually progressed. But in my head, I'm like, well, if I don't have proper lighting or a, an intro or any of this shit people aren't going to watch it but to be honest if people are, are interested they'll fucking watch it so be interested if you're listening to this you should be fucking interested these ungrateful bastards um <laughs> now i sound ungrateful but i'm trying to think Right, my, my my main idea is if i have some kind of i, I know I've, there's a ring light somewhere in the house but if we could just have that kind of sitting over on a table with a like a sheet down on it and i actually just take the boxes out and show you them or whatever else and just talk about them that's how i'm thinking of starting it i don't know i need to find the best way to do it i was also thinking i mean i could set up my fucking dslr and record with that but that's actually a pain in the hole i'd be just as good recording at my fucking phone because i could upload it straight away i can edit it on my phone i don't really need to be fucking around with the dslr to be just doing something as basic as youtube so i think that's going to be the the plan in the future but youtube it, it is a project that is happening this year probably in the next month or two because i'm going to have a lot more free time next month so i'm going to be bashing out these fucking podcasts and finally working towards getting guests and all so i know i have uh, some very big guests to come up uh i know some obviously i've talked about the the other podcasters in the uk and around ireland uh, some producers Some directors that I know Uh, it'll be interesting to get their take on what they fucking Think But then again that, That's something I want to avoid with this podcast too I don't want to be one of these fucking Shit podcasts That just goes on and goes So what's your favourite film Or fucking Like oh what are you working on now Like I don't want boring conversations like that I want to just talk to these people As if they're constantly on in front of me Which they are And just We talk about films Because Structure is my least favourite thing I know I like a, a, a little bit of it In terms of Uh in terms of actually just running off the ground with something like, if I have a few topics I want to talk about, I might shit on about them. But in general, I want it to be as fluid as the shite that I'm talking now, <laughs> fluidy shite. Um, but yeah, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna talk, highlight some of actually. No, there's a few fucking things in uh, news-wise with films that I want to talk about. So I gave Ireland's shittest review of Justice League there last week uh again where i said she said it's very good i don't want to say anything about it but um i kind of want to talk about it a bit more um because what happened with that film i'm going to talk about another film too that got arse raped by the fucking critics and just the way studios fucked it over and it's totally unfair um and I'm actually quite excited to talk about it because it's it's become my film of the year so far. So it'd be more interesting. Not Justice League, but Justice League's not far off though. I quite enjoy it. The more I think about it, the more I enjoy it. Um But what happened with that film is just fucking ridiculous. Um Did I, I <laughs> I'm trying to remember now that I fucking even talked about it properly at all last week. I mean I talked about the fact that tragic circumstances meant that Zack Snyder had to walk away and Joss Whedon stepped in out of his usual dog shit to it I mean, now no, hang on that that's going to rub people the wrong way not in the way I like annoying people uh, I understand Joss Whedon's importance and he has done some good stuff undeniably but he adds certain elements to other projects that don't belong and that's what hurts them and that's why he made a dog's arse of that other Justice League because he just added poor crap like really like I'm as I'm lowbrow as you can fucking go in terms of humour. of What I like. Well his was lowbrow in just. It's like what sophisticated people think lowbrow humour is. It's just shite. And. Obviously he fucked around with the colour palette and everything else. But he, he, he just changed so many scenes. When you really look at it. How the Flash even moves. Looks ridiculous in his version. Like I'm not sure what his fucking mindset was. But. I, I like the, even the plot of the film doesn't matter. The, the way the plot for the fucking the real version, as far as I'm concerned, the the Snyder version is obviously, and this isn't a spoiler <laughs> because again, this is another thing that fucking wrecks my head in terms of my own reviews. I'm talking a, about a lot of sequels sometimes, so I could talk about a movie where there's someone who's gonna die at the end of another movie, and I'm gonna have to talk about it because it's the driving force of whatever sequel this is. So. This will be a spoiler for Batman vs Superman if you haven't seen it. But I have to be able to fucking talk about things. Catch up on films. Uh, so, essentially, Superman's dead. He was killed by... Uh, what's his fucking name? I said Dr. Doom. That's not his poxy name. Uh, no, Steppenwolf's the fucking bad guy in this. I can't remember. Doomsday. Uh, so he kills Superman. And the, the cry... His roar is what basically... Sent shockwaves over the universe, and uh, it rattled these three boxes that are effectively the Infinity Stones. Uh, the, 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 like it's it's almost hilarious just how much this movie wants to be the Avengers in a in a way, in structurally it wants to be very similar. Um, but it rattles these three boxes that are being held in three different parts of the world and protected. So the the Amazonians are protecting one the atlanteans are protecting another and where the fuck's the third one actually Oh right, the third one's in a lab and it's being protected by cyborg now i briefly mentioned last week how joss whedon fucked over cyborg so there was this whole thing of they didn't get on on set for whatever reason and like there's a colossal backstory to cyborg and how he ended up being a cyborg and a really kind of grim frank dr frankenstein-esque kind of thing that his dad pulled to bring him back to life and it's really like, depressing kind of shit um all that was cut out so cyborg is just here i'm a robot and i'm in your film now um but yeah he's basically protecting the other one so you have these three boxes that have now been activated and this has got steppenwolf who is an underling of now if i'm gonna remember this sort of cunt's name dark side uh who's basically the embodiment of fucking pure evil uh steppenwolf has done something in the past. They don't actually explain what it is exactly, but he's he fucked someone over in the past, um, and he wants to essentially get these mother boxes. They call them mother boxes, by the way. Get these three boxes together in order to get in good again with Darkseid and all them, as well as take over and do all the typical mad villainy shite. Um, and while this is happening, you have Batman who thinks right superman is fucking dead he was the best of us it's like just he's god so i want to assemble a team of the best of the best and we'll try to keep the world in order or america in order which is pretty much all it is so he wrangles up or he tries to wrangle up fucking uh aquaman who's like i have no interest in this and what they do with his character is so much fucking better too because he's like totally gnarly guitar fucking sexy fucking long hair rocker guy swigging whiskey rock music playing over it's like it's the lamest fucking shit whereas in this it's much more fucking somber and depressing and he kind of he's basically just a, a glorified lifeguard in some small dump fucking Swedish town or wherever the fuck he is like some absolutely outskirts dump Um that's basically Ben Affleck's trying to get him or Batman's trying to get him he wants to get Wonder Woman he wants to get Flash who's actually just Pretty much a dorky teenager. Who. Was actually quite charming and funny in this. And he does some really great scenes. Like I said. Zack Snyder when he's doing these. Heavy slow-mo. Really artistic stuff. It's fucking deadly. I love all that shit. And that's the part that people say is really indulgent. I don't give a bollocks. It looks amazing. What he can achieve. On fucking 65mm film. With ultra slow-mo. It's just incredible. Um, but yeah. The best thing is. He gets all these together. And Cyborg. And. They have to basically fight Steppenwolf and Resurrect Superman in order to try help them win. That's the basic plot in a bit more detail. And how they're gonna do it, I won't say. That's that's the part where watching it we'll enjoy. Now I only did that recap because I felt like I didn't justify my review last week. So what I will say is what they've done character wise is so fucking much better. I, you know what? I'm not even gonna review it as in comparison to the D- other D- Justice League. The D- other Justice League is cancer and it hasn't really happened as far as I'm concerned. It's not canon in my eyes. So on its own merit, this film is really fucking solid. Uh it falls into the same pitfalls as Batman vs. Superman, because Batman vs. Superman Again another movie that was bum fucked by the fucking studios. And cut down. Released in cinemas as an unfinished fucking movie. Uh, and then they had to bring the ultimate cut out to actually re- show you the real movie. And that was fucking class. Um, for about two hours. Because I think the last half hour of that is just a cartoon fight. And it's what I hate about Man of Steel. And what I hate about Wonder Woman. And it, it just bothers me. Um, this film sort of leads into that territory. The last kind of half hour of it does have a lot of this very cartoonish fighting. But... Because I've been with these characters for fucking four hours or three and a half hours or about three hours up until that point, it uh, I was a lot more invested in it than I was at Batman vs. Superman. It felt very out of place in Batman vs. Superman, but it really feels like it's building to something in like this. Like, this is two movies essentially stuffed together with dense fucking content, all of it quite good. I think it's well written. I, li- I like Ben Affleck as Batman, a lot of people are unsure about that. I thought he was fucking class and. As much as I adore the Dark Knight trilogy. Uh, even with the flaws of the third one. And as much as. I enjoy the Tim Burton ones. In a way. I liked them as a kid. And then I really didn't like them after a while. I didn't like Batman Return. they used to piss me off. And obviously Batman Forever and whatever else. But. Over the years I, I really want to revisit them. So there is something in there. It's like a lot of fucking things. I was wrong about so much. And I hope. I hope I was wrong about these ones. Um but as much as I like all these different Batman properties that come out and as much as I am fucking dying for the Robert Pattinson one that come out that scene in the warehouse of Batman vs Superman is the Batman I've always wanted to fucking see that is the Arkham Asylum game come to life and it was just one of the best fucking Batman related things I've ever seen So I think Ben Affleck did a fucking really good job and the only reason he fucking left is because Joss Whedon made a fucking haynes of it so now that Zack Schneider is sort of back Hopefully, they'll be able to do another thing and let the Robert Pattinson one be its own thing, much like. Excuse me. There's a free, horrible burphy as well. But much like Robert Pattinson. Or, sorry, much like how um, Joaquin Phoenix is his own Joker. If you can just let that play out that way, just have all these little side projects. You can have your own Joker, your own Superman, whatever. But let the DC Universe do its own thing. Fine. Let them do that. It doesn't have to be just one linear fucking thing. Just don't be shit. That's the kind of one rule um and yeah so obviously on a technical sense phenomenal the effects for the most part are brilliant i loved so many little story things that they did that i thought were really fucking smart again i like the flash in it now um and just the 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 foreshadowing of time travel and stuff like that is done so nicely throughout the whole movie like it's i think it's just brilliantly done um but the problem now is, right, now I mentioned last week in my garbage review that I want this to be considered the Zack Snyder version. And it was obviously, I mentioned Release the Snyder Cut was the biggest fucking tweet for years. Uh, and then it was Endgame. And now this, this is the biggest tweet of all time. Or hashtag, whatever the fuck. And it's um, Restore the verse right so people want this to be the official version it li- apparently i haven't watched uh, aquaman yet but apparently it links up better with aquaman and already it's better there's there's a lot of this kind of uh, horrific visions of the future that were, were implemented in batman versus superman that are continued in this um and that include a cameo from jared Leto as who's still a terrible joker uh, but at least he doesn't have the fucking corny shit tattoos on him in this oh god that was the worst Suicide Squad is unfixably bad fuck that film um, and the sequel looks shit too as much as I like James Gunn it looks like shit but I'm, I'm, I'm gonna try it but it looks shit and Birds of Prey is fucking shit too fuck that um, but the thing is right so you have all these connections right it makes perfect sense for this to be the official real Snyder version Snyderverse but Warner Brothers said, no, we're not going to do that. There's not going to be a Justice League 2. And I'm thinking, how fucking stupid are you cons? This isn't like this was some passion project. That, by the way, Zack Snyder said, I don't want any money, I just want Final Cut, which is excellent. I fucking am always on the side of the of, of the filmmaker, and he did the right fucking thing there. Instead of taking a bit, a bit of money for the studio to have any input, he said, no, my film, I don't want a fucking cent. And he was right to do it even with that right this isn't just some risk this isn't just some once-off online order at least it shouldn't be and it kind of paid off this worked un-fucking-believably well it's pretty much unanimously loved this new version of it now of course like i've said before it's not a masterpiece it's really fucking solid and i enjoy it quite a lot i wasn't as gripped or blown away as i was with say infinity war but it's really fucking solid he was able to do that and probably make them a lot of money and yet they're like nah, we don't want to do it they should look at that and go right, the last fucking Justice League was panned to bits people didn't even want to fucking acknowledge this universe anymore now like a fucking bolt of lightning this has been jolted back to life by Zack Snyder's hand and you're not going to fucking do anything about it how fucking stupid are you You, they could literally fucking turn this into the franchise they've been fighting to fucking have for fucking years now. How long has it fucking been? That was Man of Steel. What? 2012? Around then? Nearly a decade even fighting to get this to Avengers level. Now's your chance. Now they've had your, your fucking, what I'll call, say, Civil War. Because it's not quite the end game that they're fucking at yet. So they're at the Civil War point of the DC fucking films. And they don't want to fucking do any more with it. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. And I would love if somehow... Snyder could just fucking... Tear the rights out of their stupid hands... And fucking continue on with what he wants to do. Because... He's doing a good job. And I, I trust whatever he's doing. I am... A bit... Sceptical of Army of the Dead. Because... You know I shouldn't be. Alright? Because... It's not what I thought it was going to be. I initially thought... That Army of the Dead was going to be... A sequel... To... The phenomenal Dawn of the Dead, which I absolutely love. Now, I don't think it is. The way it's being set up is it's like a good, ultra high budget version of the dog shit uh, Train to Busan, air quotes here, sequel, Peninsula. I think it's a similar thing where it's a, a heist in Vegas with. While a zombie apocalypse is going on, I don't know why they need the money, unless there's some other country that has, like, safe borders kind of shit and they want to get in there. But it looks like a big hoorah mercenary film heist movie it looks like it's going to be more along the lines of an action comedy and i I trust that he'll do well with it but I'm a bit iffy about it because I really want to just because I mean his not dead sequel is just one of the best remakes out there or his not the dead remake should I should say it's one of the best remakes out there and I was, I was hoping it would, it would continue on that tradition but I guess it isn't but I still I'm, I'm going to have faith for it anyway because I, I constantly want to give him a chance i think he does such visually fucking strong stuff again like the, the, I, this way i hate reviewers and <laughs> why i hate people who try to put a fucking label on what is and what isn't cinema and there's elements of his movies that are uh, what, what people would often refer to as pure cinema as an incredible visual spectacle that can tell the story with the visuals And it looks phenomenal. It's brilliantly shot. Lit. The music. The sound. Everything. He does all this so well. But they'll have some small hang up. That's enough for them to be like. Oh shy. Like you have to be talking out of your arse. You really do. Like people don't want to enjoy things. Why don't you want to fucking enjoy things you cunts. Just. My number one goal. And like I said. I was a bit of a bollocks like this for a while. My only goal now when I put on a film. Is I want to enjoy it and that's probably why i'm quite reasonably lenient with a lot of fucking reviews like a film has to be really shit and really annoying for me not to like it at least somewhat to give it a fucking thumbs up thumbs down type job like when i put on a movie even if it's trash when i put on a movie i want to sit back and i want to relax and i want to enjoy myself for 90 minutes to two hours to however fucking long it is that's my goal I'll pick up on the cinematic elements along the way. Particularly if I know it's going to be a high-end fucking Scorsese film. Like Silence or something like that. <laughs> Enjoying that film might be a fucking strong word. Um, but in general, when I put something like that on. My, my goal is I want to be engrossed in it and enjoy it. I'm not putting it on and going, no, nah, the way this shot's a bit gaming. in. Picking up on little bits and pieces like that. The only way I would be doing that is if everything else is so wildly incompetent that I can't focus on it. i i I think people just particularly critics just want to find things to hate the majority of people aren't putting on movies to enjoy themselves they're putting on movies already hating it and want to be brought around to liking it by the end of the film they go in and go right this is shit convince me otherwise and then if a film is brilliant all the way through they're all right you've convinced me rather than going in and going i hope this is fucking really good and then unfortunately your hopes are plummeted by a bad movie it it needs to be that way. You're watching this movie because you love fucking films. Like this is the thing. Like being a critic as a job. As I know, like you have to fucking make money some way. But like, don't take the job unless you're fucking passionate about. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna become a a rap music critic. I love fucking a lot of rap music, but I don't know anything about music enough to consider myself a critic or about lyrics to be able to sit down and go. Well, I like enough rap music that I'm gonna sit down and become the number one fucking rap critic out there and then some album comes out that could be widely regarded as amazing and really amazing flow or whatever else and i'm just sitting there going oh it didn't do it for me so uh, i went in expecting to hate it doesn't sound exactly like biggie so it's fucking shite like my opinion dog shit then i'm not i'm not right for the fucking part and i've said this about a lot of critics for a long time you shouldn't be in this unless you have a real love for the fucking thing Now I know the average person might only like films passively, and they're like, you know what? I only like the Avengers, and that's all I want to hear about. That's fine, but it should still be someone who really loves movies talking about it, because that's all. That's what it fucking is at the end of the day. I don't like. I don't like snobbery. I say about music as well a lot of time. There shouldn't be any snobbery. I'm not going to put on a trashy movie and go, "Mm, "I'm so much better than this movie because it's trashy." No. Someone went out there and fucking tried their best and made something fun and if it's fun I'm going to try and enjoy it. I'm not going to sit there just looking for a clickbait article. going the new fucking such and such movie is the worst piece of shit ever. And the worst thing is people read it and fucking believe it. So remove your head from your arse at high speed before you fucking suffocate. But enough about that. So I've talked about Justice League and how they fucked that up. I want to talk about another movie another new release that... I I cannot get over the rigorous bombing that this film received. And uh, just how deeply unfair it is. Now it had a a small cinema release in America. I think it had a week. Um, Could have even been a fucking day for all I know. Although I don't know if it showed at Sundance or any of them fucking things. But uh, It's viewable now over here uh, from this year. And this movie in terms of how it's advertised has everything wrong going for it right I I hate the title it's called The Empty Man which already just sounds like Slender Man or Smiley or The Bye Bye Man or these dog shit fucking horror films that come out that are aimed at teenagers not in the way there's another bird not in the way that 80s horror movies were because 80s horror movies were... They were all rated movies. They knew teenagers were sneaking into them. And they knew that teenagers were the demographic. But back then, teenagers weren't such fucking pansies like they are now. So they wanted to see tits and ass, gore and fucking heavy metal music playing throughout the movie. So that's what you got in a lot of 80s horror. And swearing and drugs and drinking and partying and all that shit. That was what they wanted back then. Hence why they were all rated movies. They were adult movies. But they were geared towards... A teenage audience more than anything or fun adults but now these these shitty horror movies they're essentially crap ghost stories that rely on a jump scare or some sort of media attacking the camera so it'll be a photograph that jerks and moves really creepily and i've said this before the goal of a horror film shouldn't be to scare the audience It should be there to scare the characters. Which in turn will scare the audience. If your characters are shit scared. I'm going to be on the edge of my bollocks. Watching it. Wondering how the fuck are they going to get out of this. If they don't stop panicking. This could fuck up this and that. That's so much more interesting than if. Something's standing behind them that only I can see. And then when they turn around the thing is gone. And I'm thinking what's that thing doing? Is it trying to spook us or is it trying to spook him? Because it's not fucking working. It's stupid. The Bye Bye Man and all these fucking movies... Are riddled with that shit. And their posters are always quite similar. Jerky, fucking crappy writing... Maybe black and white... Or... Minimal colour, right? So the poster... For The Empty Man... And the title... Just scream that kind of movie. I didn't watch the trailer for it. One of the lads watched it. Who also loved the movie. Watched the trailer... And said it looked like dog shit. So whoever... Was in charge of it, so it was obviously Disney who in charge of it now. Chopped the trailer out of probably the only spooks in the movie, or probably not, because the movie's littered with loads of fucking subtle creepy stuff that I guard here they didn't fucking uh, remember, or sorry, they didn't uh, push in the trailer. They pushed the, the biggest parts of it and just amplified them times ten to make it seem scarier than it is in those scenes. Um, so you have a garbage trailer. You have a garbage poster. You have a garbage title. What happened was. right. This film was made in 2018. And it was just. Around the time. Fox was bought by Disney. So Disney. This was the last film. Fox produced on it's own. Before Disney took it over. Now it hadn't got a release at that stage. So when they bought everything off Fox. They were just like right we're stuck with this fucking. Horror thriller, which is two hours and 17 minutes long, what the fuck are we gonna do with it? So they said, Right, we'll chop it down to 90 minutes and test it out in an audience and see how it goes. let try to get a fucking popcorn pile of shit crowd in. They chopped it down, the audience hated it, it made no sense. They're like, What the fuck's going on in this movie? Just lots missing. So they said, Right, we'll chuck a bit more in. And they showed it, and the audience were still like, What the fuck's going on? So they just said, The director said, Look, do whatever the fuck you want. Here's your two and a half or, or two hours, 20 minutes movie. Do what the fuck you want with it. It's barely going to see the light of day. So he got to release his real film. But it was thrown out. In cinemas in America. For a week. Last year. Probably. And a lot of. Again. A lot of people weren't going to the cinema last year. Because of fucking lockdowns. And social distancing. And COVID. And shit like that. And, and America in particular. Like. It's not like here. I, I fucking mentioned this at the, at the start. Because I, I did a kind of run through. Of all the cinemas around Dublin. Like. Like within 20 minutes you can be in town at the cinema if you're fucking driving particularly during this now where there's fuck all cars out there like the lighthouse cinema is a 20 minute bus journey another 5-10 minutes you'll be at the fucking Cineworld, world or you'll be in temple bar for the ifi screen cinema is gone now but like you have those options and then you have the Odeon in the point you have the Odeon up around the corner for me a fucking 15 minute walk away there's a lot of options and the fucking Savoy in town as well there's cinemas everywhere but in america like you could be like right i have a small cinema nearby which will show endgame say and harry potter big fucking movies like that harry potter years old now (laughs) i don't even know why i said that but you know what i fucking mean big movies like that blockbusters and if they want to see anything remotely like and i talk about like because i mean the world in comparison to Odeon. Shows a lot of independent smaller movies. But even then it's still quite popular in comparison to the IFI. Which would show really really niche smaller stuff. To even see those slightly independent things that Cineworld would show. You have to fucking drive two hours fucking along a dark road. In order to find this middle of nowhere cinema in middle America to fucking see a movie. And it's just it's it's not very convenient for a lot of people. So already you have... Fuck all people with an option to see this movie. So. The little amount of people that went to see it. Gave it a shit review. I can't understand why. Uh, I'd say a lot of reviews came from that fucking test screening. If if I'm honest. But the movie basically went nowhere. No one fucking talked about it. A couple of people I know talked about it. And some read about it. Now what, what put the movie on my radar in general. Was. James Badge Dale, Who first saw him in fucking 24 then i saw him in departed then he was in one of my favorite films of not only the decade but or should i say that? the other way around not only a couple of years ago but of the decade uh the standoff at sparrow creek which is just a fucking brilliant tense it's like a play and he's fucking brilliant in it i saw he was going to be in some movie i, I don't remember how had a different title but i just remember seeing he was involved in it and that was enough i saw a picture of him with a torch i said i'm in then i forgot about this movie altogether and it was actually Chris Stuckman who put up a video saying The Empty Man and I thought oh Christ he's going to review another pile of shit so I threw it on as soon as I saw James Batch I said oh that's that movie turned it off I said I have to suss this out and it's available to rent I said I'm going to give it a go so what happened was that film had a f- fucking no time at all in the cinema and then it gets fucked online there's no plans to have any other cinema releases even when cinemas go back to normal There's no plans for it to be on any proper streaming service. So it probably won't go on to Star. Even though they fucking own it. They could release it as a fucking premiere screening. And actually have a boatload of fucking people watching it. But they probably won't because they're cunts. It probably won't make it onto Netflix. It probably won't make it onto Prime. Or any of those other streaming sites. It's totally fucking limited online. There's no plans for a DVD, Blu-ray or 4K. Which it should fucking have the bare minimum of fucking dvd even though i don't agree with stuff being just on dvd unless there's no other means of transferring it but there's no blu-ray which i need a blu-ray of this so everything is going against this movie nothing is working in its favor whatsoever and it's it's terribly unfortunate because i watched it after just after seeing that it it was available and i said oh fuck forgot about that movie i'm gonna throw it on i'm dying to see it and two hours and seventy minutes later, it was my favorite film of the year, and I don't mean that in just an underdog way because it just got so rigorously bombed by the studios and cinemas not willing to take a chance on it. But it, it fucking it, it's so fucking well made, and I think well acted. The tension in it is you need a fucking chainsaw to get through it. The idea of the film. Again, the, the the poster has a little element of the film that irritatingly makes it sound like the bye-bye man. The whole idea of the bye-bye man is like, uh, don't think it, don't write it, don't say it, or something like that. And it's the idea that if you t- say the bye-bye man, or you write it down, or you think about it, this cunt with his dog will eventually come after you, and it's just, it's fucking lame. Uh, in this he gets called the empty man so see it's a, it's a tough one to explain because there is a lot going on in this movie there's a prologue in it that's about 25 minutes long and it's fucking gripping as well it's like it's own little horror short initially when it, when it played I thought oh is this a fucking anthology film is that the first little short film before the next one now or what way is this going to work Um. but the idea is oh <laughs> <laughs> now how do I explain this one because again like I said there's there's some movies you don't want to explain a lot about but there's an incident in the mountains in the 90s uh, no do I even want to go further than that <laughs> well like I said the prologue is basically just showing that there's this old now I don't know where the fuck it is like Tibetan monks I don't know what the fuck they are but there's this old cabin up in the mountain somewhere and the oh no i actually don't want to reveal anything about that right so the prologue i'm going to leave you leave you to see it on your own it involves a cabin in snowy mountains that's all you need to fucking know about it because uh, i'd rather not ruin what goes on there because because it's such a contained contained small prologue it's quite hard to talk about without actually ruining the whole thing uh but what I will talk about is the the general plot. So after that 20 minute opening you then have this two hour epic crime thriller horror movie. Or so, so, see horror, you know, horror it's definitely a horror movie but it's like ultra suspenseful more so. And you have James Badgedale who is an ex-cop now private detective and he works in his own uh, weapons shop. And a close friend of his her daughter has gone missing and he's trying to track her down and one of her friends who he was able to track down said that she's worried that someone might have gotten her known as the empty man and the idea is is that you can summon the empty man by finding a bridge getting a bottle and if you blow into the bottle and think about the empty man you're essentially marked to be pursued by him. And the way the poster displays this is. The first day you'll hear him. The second day you'll see him. The third day he'll get you. That's effectively what they're trying to say. And I think it cheapens. How fucking nerve-wracking that is. Um, Now there's a few things to talk about as well. The director's name is David Pryor. And he worked with David Fincher. For years. So if, if he's going to get any expert fucking... Cinematic prowess is gonna be from fucking Fincher, so the movie looks incredible. The sound design is fucking amazing in it. The music is so nerve wracking and so tense, and there's so many little subtle noises that just add to the atmosphere. Especially even when there's no sound. There's a moment in the film with no sound that is fucking pants shittingly tense. Um, and it's just brilliantly fucking done. Uh. James Badge Dale obviously is fucking excellent. But no, I was, talking, I was talking about David Pryor. So he worked with David Fincher. But he actually creates DVD menus. Back in the day when DVD menus were fucking class. Which I, I did mention before. I'd love to do an episode about DVD menus. Um, or not, not about DVD menus. But about DVDs in general. And why I, I, I do have a love for them. Uh, I don't collect them anymore. And I won't collect them anymore. But I do regret getting rid of the ones I had. Um, but if you think about it like uh, on a typical Blu-ray menu now if you turn it on you might have a small little screen playing a clip from the movie on a loop with some soundtrack over it and you have little menus and it's very very fucking basic like you could do it yourself when you were burning DVDs back in the day but what they did with DVDs was they had these animated menus really sophisticated really captured the atmosphere of the movie and they were very fucking cool and he was responsible for doing a lot of those so he knows the right images to pick and when it comes to editing he knows what he's doing with that and it's like he knew what movies to cherry pick elements from now i i've said before if i'm watching a movie and i'm constantly aware of movies that have done something better so if i see like a a, some sort of detective scene in the movie i'm sitting there going well seven did that better that's what it's trying to be and then i'm hyper aware of how bad that movie is that, that's a problem it's something I don't like but what this movie does is it reminded me of a lot of movies that I love elements of them and it did them brilliantly and it, it reminded me of them in a good way to be like oh, I really want to watch them again now along with this it, it feels like it's in that ballpark so there's elements of this which really loosely first I'll say you could argue has elements of the third season of Twin Peaks uh, there's some elements particularly score wise with video drum. And, and elements of the plot too some strong elements of Exorcist 3 and now because Exorcist 3 is such a broad movie with so much going on you could really cherry pick those moments out um, I mean you could argue Candyman because it's the same type thing you have to do a small little ritual and it will summon uh, a, a ghostly like demon to come fucking butcher you um, fuck what are the other movies now that I'm trying to think about it i was only talking about them earlier and they've actually gone out of my head now other movies that were fucking blatantly inspired by or this was inspired by um the ritual to a degree particularly in the first 20 minutes is very similar to the ritual which is another phenomenal fucking horror film of the last decade um but probably the strongest well actually hereditary as well tonally and cinematically is very similar to hereditary um but a movie that it really captures from in certain scenes is Kill List. So already it's cherry picking. Not even scenes but. Elements. Of some of my favourite fucking horror films. And I think weaving them together brilliantly. Um, now this film is so fucking ambitious for a debut. There's a lot going on. Again. Other stuff that I don't like at movies is when it feels like four or five movies stitched together and doesn't work. This somehow feels like four or five movies that all work stitched together. So it's just. Everything so far. Is working in it's favour. I like that it's a slow burn. I like that it's long. I'd say that 90 minute version. Is a fucking travesty. Um, It gives time. For these. Really tense moments. To fucking build. Now it does have. A couple of jumps. It does have. One scene that's. That does feel like. It could be in one of those. Shitty movies. But I actually think. It does it quite well. Because it's pretty nasty in how it does it it's a a more or less a suicide um but i thought it was done very effectively there's so many subtle elements in it though particularly with the audio that'll just have your heart in your mouth i i think it was just so fucking brilliant and so effective and i cannot believe more people aren't talking about this fucking film and i can't believe it's getting such a fucking bollocking now this is the thing when you go onto letterboxd Uh, or any review site like that where it's actual people reviewing shit and not just cock for brains who are fucking doing it for a job almost all of them are going where the fuck was this movie why was this movie so bad they're all seeing it and like everyone is saying this this is a fucking cult classic in the making and i guarantee in a few years from now everyone's gonna be fucking talking about this movie it just hasn't been able to kick off the way it should and I, i really hope that the attention that it's getting now is picked up by disney and they get a boot up the hall and go, you know what, we're going to fucking, we're going to get this out there. We're going to release it on either Star or we're going to fucking just do something with it. Maybe throw it back in cinemas when they reopen. Because I know, I mean, there's already plans to show Tenet in the cinema again when it reopens. Even though it's already on 4K sitting on my fucking shelf upstairs. So there's no reason for them not to do it fingers crossed in that sense but I, I i just want a physical release of it i, I want to certainly get the tension it deserves i'd love to see it in the cinema there's certain parts i know will just have the cinema gicking themselves and i'd love to fucking be there for it i think it's really effective even that even the opening of it kind of reminded me of uh the forest which i've been playing a lot of lately uh it's a playstation game and it's really fucking fun you're just trapped on an island essentially uh which i'm, I'm talking about another island related film now in a minute. Um, holy shit I've been talking bollocks for nearly an hour already I thought it was only 20 minutes in (laughs) that's a bit worrying because I wanted to fucking talk about a bunch of shit I'll tell you what I'll do it in the next episode because like I said when it comes to movies or the blu-rays I bought I'd actually rather show you them hence the YouTube page and what I was going to do was go through a big batch of uh, the older movies I saw over the last few months or just kind of cherry pick some of the best and worst ones uh, but again that, that'll that be later in the week I mean it's fucking it's a long weekend so I will get a couple episodes out um, that's not to say I'm finishing right now I'm just saying that I won't be going as far in depth as I thought but I am going to talk about some older one older movie well no two older movies that I watched the other night shit faced and uh, there's a reason for it but I, before I do that I want to talk about one more new release well I'll finish up right The Empty Man everything that you see about it is like a deterrent it's like it's like someone wants this movie for themselves and they don't want anyone to see it so they've come up with a fucking crap poster a crap trailer a crap tagline a crap title and they bombed it bombed it bombed it i was trying to say bombed and bombed at the same time there so bombed it up the arse for the box office and just have shattered into obscurity I want this film to fucking blow up... Like... the cover of bat out of hell... Meatloaf... On a fucking bike... Exploding out of the fucking ground... That's what this film needs to be... Needs to happen... It needs to be resurrected... And I want everyone to fucking see it... Because... So far this year... Like I went through the, a bunch of the films I saw last... Week... And there's been some very good stuff... I don't think I've been... As enthralled or... I have enjoyed a movie as much as this... All year... So it has my fucking full marks as far as I'm concerned and I, I, I do want to watch again I mean who knows I could watch it again and certain elements might not work as well because I know what's coming a lot of it was was built on the fact that I didn't know where the fuck this story was going and actually I was talking earlier on as well like it's if this was one of those typical bad bye bye man type movies uh, like I mean I, I, I quite enjoy Sinister as as flawed as that film is but You get stupid ghoul names. And he's like. What the fuck is this creature? What's going on? There's always a librarian with the fucking answer. You go there and he goes. Oh that's Bagul. He's this ancient demon who does this and does this and does this. And it's fucking exactly right. And this is how you get rid of him. And it's just. It's so fucking boring. Like. Why can't they just go. There's this entity. Or there's something after me. What do I do? I don't have a fucking clue. Because there's no book about this shit. And why would it be that exact demon? How the fuck am I supposed to know? I'm a librarian. It, it's it's a trope in horror films that bothers me so much. And I'm so happy this movie didn't do that. I think this movie is extremely original. Even with the, the cherry picking. I think the tension is so strong. The performances are great. Atmospheric stuff in it is so good. It's visually brilliant. The effects are fucking brilliant in it it knows where to edit i think it edits brilliantly it's i think it's just fucking fantastic it's the strongest horror film of the year so far for me and i'm looking forward to seeing it again and i want to see it again in a disc format blasting through my tv in 4k if possible so we've had fucking restore the the snyder verse now restore the prior verse and give me fucking the empty man with a, maybe a better title well actually here's the thing as well the title of The Empty Man works in the film like it actually work, when, when you know what it's about it fucking works really well it's just there's been s- such an influx of terrible fucking horror movies with similar titles that it's sort of fucked up those kind of titles Um, but I, I, I could go here all fucking day if I don't stop now so The Empty Man absolutely fucking recommended and Justice League uh, so there's one more new release then I'm going to quickly briefly talk about uh, two bits of trash that I got to enjoy um, so one of the new releases was one that came out on Friday and I've actually been anticipating it for a while and I fucking completely forgot about it till it just appeared on Netflix and that is Bad Trip which is Eric Andre and Lil Ray Howley I think that's it Howley um, Eric Andre is someone that I got into only a few years ago. A clip just appeared on YouTube at one stage where he was interviewing I think Seth Rogen and it was just such a shit show. I was in ribbons of laughter. Ended up watching all of his programme and literally every episode was almost having a heart attack laughing at it. Because it's just one of the most off the wall wildest inappropriate uncomfortable fucking things you'll ever see. And I love the viciously uncomfortable situations he puts celebrities in. And uh, and it really, it, it, it shows the celebrities' true colours, I think. Because some celebrities immediately go with it. Like Tyler, the creator, he knew something was up straight away. And he just fucking went with it real hard. And you have Jack Black, does the same thing. Well, you have some celebrities that get real pissy and fucking, they storm out whatever else. And it's, uh, I, I love that he can fucking do that. As a person, he can be quite annoying. And he had a stand-up that came out there, that, I think it was last year and it was one of the least funny things I've ever sat through it was fucking absolutely unbearably unfunny so it's it's weird that he can be so funny and so shit at the same time so I was a bit concerned with that Lil Ray, Lil Ray Howley or Lil Rel, is it Lil Rel Howley? Actually, I actually don't remember now but he was the comic relief in Get Out and he's hilarious in that and in this he's just as funny he's fucking great in this so the basic idea is or the, I suppose the sort of encompassing idea of it is is that Jeff Tremaine is producing it obviously he's behind Jackass Bad Grandpa and what the fuck was the other one now I can't fucking think of it well, Jackass and Bad Grandpa that's all you fucking need to know Um, but he they obviously do pranks on people and the way Jackass pranks you, like when you compare it to Impractical Jokers like it's not so much go up and say this and do this and then it's all very kind of it's very lighthearted. this was like you're about to get the head punched off. You kind of situations they get into a Jackass. Particularly when he'd be like an old man. Giant uh, Oxford would. So they kind of go for the same idea here. Where. It's like an, a narrative movie is playing out. In front of real people. In real situations. So the idea is. Eric Andre. Sees his old love from school. Who he's, he's always had a crush on. And he never got to fucking meet or whatever. Never got to talk to. Him. And. Bumps it to her. And she's like. Oh yeah. I live in fucking New York now. And they're in Florida. And he sees that as. Now is my time to finally win her heart. His best mate is Lira Howley. Who. Is constantly being bullied by his older sister. Who's played by Tiffany Haddish. Who surprisingly didn't know the fuck out of me in this. Uh, she she plays the part really fucking well actually. She's a real scumbag. She kind of reminds me of. Uh, what's her fucking name from. The uh, The Wire is it snoopy i could be remembering the name wrong <laughs> i actually could be definitely remembering the name wrong i'm gonna google that because that's gonna piss me off and i don't have the time to do my usual sit here for uh, an uncomfortable amount of time pinching the bridge of my nose remembering shit uh let's see if i look up snoopy wire and that comes up i'll be quite happy it was it it was yes i fucking knew it uh Essentially that kind of character. Just aggressive as fuck. Kind of tough girl from the streets. Who I think that actress in real life fucking killed someone. If I remember that correctly. I might be wrong. um, But it's that type of character anyway that she's playing. And she's the older sister of Lil' Real Howley. And she's always bullying him and taking his money or whatever. And she gets fucked off in the prison. And she has this pink card that says bad bitch. It's her fucking pride and joy type thing. So himself and eric Andre decide right we're going on this road trip i want to go meet the one of my dreams we need a car to do it so they take her car she breaks out of prison and she's hunting them down trying to get her car back the interesting thing about this is all the situations they get into are real so they obviously find some certain like cafes or restaurants or whatever where they have permission to do whatever the fuck they want in them so the scene would be like oh let's go get some food and they'll go into this restaurant and just cause a fucking commotion and loads of mad shit and start crazy conversations or tiffany haddish would show up and she'd be smashing the place up looking for these fucking lads and it'll all be done for real the people will be reacting for real and it's heavily awkward and it's just at times it's fucking brilliant so i say at times because the first half of this movie is the the guts of the journey it's them going to bars and all and like they get shit-faced and he's pissing himself and fucking pretend to puke everywhere and people are fucking really upset and freaking out and you can tell like some of these lads are ready to fucking throw digs tiffany haddish like th- this is why i have a lot of respect for her. she was getting in people's faces like ready to throw fucking digs herself and i'm thinking like one fucking slip up and this goes wrong and she gets knocked <laughs> like clean out by some street thug like this could go really fucking bad, so they, they really put themselves in dangerous, awkward, real life situations for the comedy. And in the first half, of, or in the first half of the movie, almost all of them got a big laugh from me. Uh, particularly a scene where Eric Andre is kind of imagining a potential future with her, and all those situations were just sidesplittingly funny. It it does some stuff really well. There's other ones that are kind of like, yeah, kind of. It's a bit of a bridge to the next scene and then there's some that are just wildly off the wall crazy but my problem with it is the second half of the movie i feel like they really downplay all that mad shit it's not quite as fun as the first half so it's a bit disappointing in that sense but overall it is good crack i definitely recommend it and it's on netflix so it's an easy fucking watch and it's like 80 minutes you flight fly through but I, th- I think the best of it is in the first 40 or so minutes and you still get some funny bits after that don't get me wrong it's just that it. it kind of runs out of steam it's the type of movie that i think behind the scenes will be much funnier of the shit that they just couldn't put in the film or whatever because i remember with bad grandpa there were some funny moments in it but it wasn't great overall but the grab sorry bad grandpa point five, which had all the bonus shit all of that was fucking hilarious and it was way better so i'd be really interested to see if it works the same way with this so bad trip 0.5 let's say but uh no, it's well worth a look. And I think Eric Andre is really fucking funny in it as well, and you can kind of see where a lot of the gags are going to go. There's very little surprise in that sense, um, but it is still funny. So, if you want something very very light, particularly if you've just watched The Empty Man, uh, then that's the way to go. And finally, what I'm going to talk about. Well, actually, there's two things. I was going to bring up some fucking more movie news there before I went on my Zack Snyder rant. Um. So, a cast list has come out. I just want to briefly talk about this. Uh, as you know, Disney are milking all of their franchises to death, and Star Wars is probably the biggest one that they're fucking with now. And they've released a cast list for the new Obi Wan Kenobi series. And I'm quite surprised at some of it. So, there's some names, there's only a few names I recognize. So, uh, Rupert Friend, who. I recognize him. Why do I recognize him? I'll be annoyed trying to remember where I know all these cunts from, but Rupert Friend, anyway, you, you, he's in actually startup. He's really good in that. Uh, you've Kamel Nanjiani who I find extremely annoying, so hopefully his character is a robot that gets melted down into fucking armor. Uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr., which is Ice Cube's son, who looks identical to him. Uh, I don't really recognize some of these others. Sung Kang is familiar i think I think he's the guy who was in bullet to the head but i could be wrong uh the most interesting for me is benny safety who i mentioned only last week one of the safety brothers who's finally getting some fucking good recognition and this is a big step up for him he fucking deserves it because he's actually brilliant uh but the three surprising ones are joel edgerton who he has a small part in i don't remember which one now because i haven't watched him in a long time but either attack of the clones or return of the jedi um so he's obviously going to be playing that same character not long after the events of those movies. So be interesting to see what way they have his character in it. Um, Ewan McGregor, obviously, or Ewan McGregor, will be playing Obi-Wan Kenobi. But the biggest surprise is Hayden Christensen is coming back to play now Darth Vader. So he was Anakin, became Darth Vader. Was critically torn to shreds for his portrayal of Anakin. So he has got some acting fucking uh, training for the last, how many years? 20 years. Uh, it could go wrong, but again, I think it's a ballsy move and I'm interested to see what they do with it. But yeah, that was, that was just a, a brief mention of the cast that has come out. And there's, there's three, four others here who I don't know who they are uh, Simone Kessel, uh, Indira Varma, and Moses Ingram, and Bonnie P.S.? yeah i don't know who the fuck they are so i didn't mention them but just wanted to give a quick mention of that because i just thought it was interesting that they got hayden christensen back which is a, I, I think a risky move but hopefully pays off for them because i do like what they've done with star wars no hang on let me rephrase that dramatically i love the mandalorian so i'm eager to see what they do now with their next star wars property through disney plus Plus. and speaking of other things like wandavision I, I didn't really get to talk about i'll briefly fucking no you know i'm going to talk about the tv shows that I, I mentioned last week. Um, before I get onto the the bit of trash. And then wrap up this. See, it feels long now. I've been so consistent by being around an hour. That I feel like I'm being long. Even though I've done fucking three hour podcasts before. Um, but. WandaVision. Was a show that. Seemed to not really find it's audience for a while. And then became really popular. And people seemed to love it. But I, I loved it from the get go. Because i saw what they were doing i know the shows that they were parodying the old 50s tv shows and 60s tv shows and whatnot i could see where they were going with it and i i actually found it quite gripping as a result of that but a lot of people because the first episode and a half are pretty much directly 50s sitcom episodes or fifties and 60s a lot of people didn't get on board with it, and i thought it was fucking great Um, there's a show that's hard to talk about without spoilers again but i suppose the basic idea is is that the wanda that we know from the avengers is seemingly trapped in this reality where her life is playing out as sitcoms from different eras usually american sitcoms and you have people who are trying to figure out how this is happening why this is happening and how they can prevent it from happening further and what's going on that's basically as far as i can go with it because it is a very easy to spoil kind of show as a result of that um but i thought it was fucking quite good see for me i enjoyed it from the start so it was different for a lot of people for a lot of people it was a build-up and then kind of leveled out for me it started high and was a bit rocky towards the end and then the last episode i enjoyed but it just felt like a waste it felt like it didn't really earn that kind of an episode for how strong the rest of it was and how much intrigue and mystery there was all the way through and again i don't know a lot of the background of marvel or dc shit so loads of that shit would go over my head whereas people who were mad into it were able to pick up on oh that's who this character is and whatever else i didn't have any of that so the mystery was ultra fresh for me but i don't know i i I think it kind of went off the rails a bit I did enjoy it all the way through. And I still liked the last episode. But in general. I have my problems with it. Um, that was the first of the, the the Disney's Marvel TV stuff. They've already put out two episodes. Of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The first episode was, was I thought. It was good. I didn't think it was brilliant. I thought it was kind of boring. But I did enjoy it. second episode was really fucking good. And that's only a six part thing as well. So it's, it's going to be quite brisk. And I'm eager to see what they do with it. It's essentially going to be a five hour film because i mean there's they're each missing about 10 minutes or 12 minutes uh yeah i i I don't i won't review falcon the winter soldier because i mean there's only been two episodes i can't really go in depth or in any real detail about what it's about it's just essentially following uh the falcon from uh the avengers and the winter soldier on their own sort of adventure and what's going on and the the fallout from endgame and stuff like that and it's it's there's interesting stuff going on but again i won't get into it now uh there was just two shows well see now i'm trying to think. see i watched all of Shits creek which did i mention last week i don't remember uh maybe i didn't but i watched all of Shits creek and i watched all of the good place and there's a, i watched some very good-natured mellow short lovey dovey tv basically for a good while shits creek is probably one of the most compelling story arcs and character arcs i've seen in a long fucking time um basic idea of it is eugene levy is the lead in it he's working again with catherine o'hara who they've been comedic partners for fucking 40 odd years now and his real life son dan levy is playing his son in this And I can't remember the daughter's name. The daughter's name in this show is Twyla. No. That's his real life daughter. Oh. I'm all over the fucking place. Essentially you have this family of four. uh, Who are ultra spoiled privileged dickheads. And. They end up losing everything. And having to move into this. Shithole area. Quite literally called. Shits Creek. uh, Backwoods in the middle of nowhere. Part of Canada. And. And although I think it's meant to be American the show, but I'm pretty sure it was all done in Canada. I can't remember. But they have to live there now and they have to adapt to a new lifestyle where they're not constantly in the in the limelight and they don't have all their money and all their distraction from the real world. So they have to effectively adjust to the real world and in the process become better people. And it's it, it takes place over six seasons, or is it five or six? I think it's six seasons. Or was it? takes place over a few seasons anyway that's what i'll say uh and it's quite short like each episode is only 20 odd minutes or so or half an hour um so you'd you'd fucking fly through it quick enough but very short very good natured. there's very it's, there's no real malice backstabby kind of shit but it, what i like about the show is that it, it feels earned like i don't like american sitcoms where just like something will go really well in an episode just because it's like no like certain things might not go the way they're supposed to but like it's real life it's it's done very fucking well the characters are brilliantly written and the arc for all of them is just fucking top class so Shits Creek is brilliant and The Good Place similarly has really interesting arcs in it that's a show where I, I'd rather say as little as possible about but the general idea is Kristen or Kirsten is it Kristen? I think it's Kristen Bell um, she dies and she arrives in what is called the good place instead of heaven or hell it's, it there's a totally different system and Ted Danson is effectively the god of this place and he lets her know that oh you were such a good person like you were from a select few put in to be in the good place and here's your new life and you, you love Dart and this is your house whatever else but it turns out that someone with the same name as her Died at the exact same time. So she's actually a total piece of shit character. And. The really good person with the same name. Was supposed to be in her place. But she just took over. And it's about her trying to keep this a secret. And try live effectively in heaven. As a bad person. Uh, and keep keep the bad personality. A secret. So it's, it's really interesting. And again I don't want to say a lot about it. Um, I thought it was very fucking compelling. from start to finish. Uh no hang on I tell a lie I absolutely tell a lie the first five episodes I was not into it um, cause it, it, particularly going from Shit's Creek to that it's such a jump in tone and atmosphere that I was a bit like oh the comedy in this is really cringy it's not really working and I like Ted Danson so I want to see more and I was like okay I'm interested like there, there was a, a twist about two episodes in or three episodes Um and I thought okay. Now it's getting a bit interesting. I said I'll oh, see how it goes. And then it got more and more interesting. And then it got really interesting. So I was like right. I like what they've done with this. I'm going to keep on with it. And I'm glad I did. And, and I'd say even rewatching those first few episodes now. I quite enjoyed them. It's just that. I was not in the right mindset for them. It didn't really work for me. And I, I wasn't going to give up on it. But I was a bit like. Oh it's going to be a bit of a fucking slog. And I really wasn't. I enjoyed it all the way through. It's fucking really really solid. Um the other two yeah one of them Your Honour which I again I briefly mentioned that and uh, fucking Servant Ugh, I'll get to that in a minute but Your Honour is I think it's a miniseries the way it's pre- being presented as if it's a miniseries I, I don't, like I don't know what their fucking plan for it is but it's I can't see it fucking picking up uh, but the idea is Brian Cranston is a judge well respected really kind of hard nosed but fair judge and his son is an art student who accidentally crashes into and kills a 16 year or 17 year old or is he 16 Uh, who happens to be the son of a violent mob boss and becomes a hit and run and now it's a, a case of Brian Cranston having to basically go against his entire code of honor to protect his own son, while also avoiding detection from the crazed, murderous mafia mafioso uh, whose son has just been killed. So, concept wise, brilliant. I was so fucking on board, uh, and I think, particularly in the first few episodes, the tension is fucking heavy like it's really really fucking tense and i thought okay i'm totally on board with this but fuck me your suspension of disbelief is really fucking pulled to its limit here like there's times where i'm just like that is so stupid i think the characters are dumb michael stillberg plays the mob boss who i love and uh, he's played a mob boss before in fucking boardwalk empire in this he just seems like he read how to be a mob boss for idiots and fucking is just portraying that on screen i don't think he's very good in this um i think the logic actually no the fucking cunt fucking teenager brian Cranston's son in it first of all right it opens up with the fact that he's banging his teacher and he's now taking a love interest he should not be taking I don't believe for a fucking second this twat could fucking do that. The problem with the show is, right, this chap's like awkward, like, oh, I'm a photographer, I'm edgy. He's like one of these type characters. I don't believe someone as introvert and awkward as him could be fucking his teacher and just picking up girls left and right. It's It, it didn't come off as realistic because he's such an awkward fucker what really this should have been and it would have been a bit more true to life as well because you all know how they fucking treat sports stars in america like that cunt who fucking raped some girl but because he was like a promising champion swimmer they were like ah let him let him free it would have been more believable if this chap was like promising all-star jock type who was confident as fuck and this happened and this is what turns his whole character around and also again as i said true to life with someone in power protecting this person not only because of the sum but also due to his image. His image has to be potentially tarnished as well. Because no one gives a fuck about this teenager. Whereas if this was a teenager of let's say substance. Then it would be like okay oh did you hear the big quarterback fucking guy did this. Now, I don't know fucking college sports but you know what I mean. Uh, my elbow decided to introduce itself to some fucking table there. Um, So that element bothered me. Brian Cranston is the strongest element. Without question. He always is. He's a fucking brilliant actor. But. And I love. Because he's, he, he's like. Walter White in that sense. The way he can just so brazenly lie. In the face of important people to him. Uh, to help his cause. And it, some of those scenes are fantastic. Uh, great use of Leonard Cohen's music. Throughout it as well. It's like there's, there's some really strong elements to this show. And it actually. Was obviously being shot during Covid. Because there's a whole big thing about. A courtroom scene where there's social distancing and masks and all this and it was surreal to see that in to me the real world of movies or a or, or tv i'd never seen anything directly address it like that so it was fucking strange to see a high-end production but it also showed that it is possible to fucking still make movies and whatever else with covid so that was actually quite hopeful uh but no, i think i think narratively it really goes off the rails i think it, the last few episodes are silly and the finale was shit but the way it's being as i said portrayed is as a mini-series and i think there's too many unanswered questions for it to be a mini-series but there's also not enough material to drag it out any longer than it already has been it was a six-part series that was dragged out to 10 episodes it really shouldn't have been so fucking long um if you're re, if you've gotten through all the best shows out there already, then maybe even a look. But I can't really recommend it over most important shows. Speaking of important shows, I'm finally fucking cracking through Mad Men again, and oh man, it is just. I don't want to compare it to Breaking Bad or Sopranos because it's a, a totally different show. It's absolutely nothing like those shows, but it's of that quality. It's of that top tier, best of the best TV quality. It is essentially six seasons of meetings and it's absolutely riveting it's fucking brilliant so get on Mad Men uh, I'll quickly oh Jesus I've actually a few things to talk about them. I'll try to get to them quickly so as I said Servant absolute shit so this show was recommended by some friends and I remember I remember hearing about it it was on Apple TV and I saw Toby Kebbell was in it and I thought oh, that could be interesting I remember thinking I must get around to watching. it I never did i was then persuaded to watch it on the basis that it was ultra tense and had really like head fuckery like crazy mystery going on i said all right i mean it's very short too each episode is like 25 minutes long it's, it's annoyingly short to be honest i so said the whole first season is only like five hours long the first season of it was fucking brilliant it was riveting all the way through. The mystery—I never—I had no clue ever where the episodes were gonna go. I could, I could start an episode and go, oh, "I know where this is going." Nope, totally different direction. And not in a—I'm just gonna subvert it for the sake of it, pull the rug from underneath you kind of thing. It just was brilliantly written and wove through all these different red herrings and ideas so fucking well. And I thought, Jesus, this show was really tough tier. To then I started season two, so I got—I got through season one and got straight on to season two which i was watching weekly and the first couple episodes of season two are really fucking interesting and then i think episode three and four around there was brilliant i was like oh shit this is really kicking off pretty much from then on it was a steady rapid fucking decline like i cannot believe for a second that i'm watching the same program it's that bad the writing in it is so terrible it's like it thinks it's like it goes oh, i know i'm fucking so smart and so well written but it's not really doing anything about it let say well written so well written it, it it's it's essentially telling you how good it is it's going oh look how fucking well written this is but nothing's actually really well written at all it's it's confusing for the sake of it it's like it's trying to throw a million twists at you at once none of them are sticking it's needlessly confusing. The characters in it too. The way they reacted in the first season. Oh, I should probably give you an idea of what the show's about. So, the first season is what I'm mostly going to talk about because that's already been out, and what season two is about. But I don't really want to spoil a lot of stuff about it, but you have this couple who are living in Philadelphia in this really, really fucking nice house. She's a news reporter. He's a chef. I can't remember her name, but it's Toby Kebbell is the chef, and they're essentially living with a rubber baby doll because their baby died in a horrible tragic circumstance and it's mostly for her because she can't get over the grief so this doll is a representation and she kind of treats it like a real baby as a way to overcome her grief and she decides to hire a nanny and it's, she's from some weird Mormon-esque style religious cult and the idea is that this nanny's also treating the baby like it's real too and he's irritated by that I can't remember her name but she's in uh, Too Old to Die Young as well Um, but he's irritated by that and the brother-in-law is played by Rupert Grint who's what's his face from Ron Weasley from Harry Potter so this is actually probably the best performance he's done or at least was until this fucking second season Uh, but he's like kind of an on-edge cokey rich aristocrat dickhead and he's he's the sense he's the audience effectively who when something ridiculous is happening he goes why the fuck's this happening why aren't we doing this and he's smart and interesting and the idea is that this baby has somehow manifested into being real and it is their son their son's name is Jericho and they don't know how this is happening. Or why this is happening. And the mystery builds from then on. It has something to do with the nanny perhaps. And you don't know where it's going to go. And it's really fucking interesting. Absolutely great. Season 2. All of that mystery is just dragged. You have an episode worth of content. That's dragged for 5 full episodes. The, the same fucking dinner. Like, it would be like they're going sitting there for dinner. And 3 episodes later they're finishing the meal. Like That's what it's like. They're, they're dragging it out so much. The character he plays, Rupert Grimm plays, Julian, is just an idiot now. He's just so coked up, not to the point where you believe that his character is unhinged from it. It's just that he's an idiot now. The power dynamic changes in silly ways. It doesn't go from, now I have the power, what are you going to do about it? It's just one word between two characters is enough to change the power in their direction. And then another word from them changes it to their direction. And it's just... It's so all over the place and bad. And I can't believe the show got so bad. And those last five episodes were going to determine if I'm going to watch season three. And to be honest, I don't think I'm fucking arsed. And with how short it is as well, it goes to show how fucking bad it is. There was a 20 fucking... I think the shortest episode was 24 minutes. And I was two minutes in going, I can't wait for this to be over. It's so fucking boring. <laughs> like, I, it really went off the fucking rails. And it's tough too, because I spent... When I watched season 1... Immediately turned to everyone... Get on Servant... It's brilliant... It's short... It's tense... Really well done... M. Night Shyamalan is the one behind it... And he directed some episodes of it... And... Th- th- it has a lot... Of appeal... But they've just made a... bag of it now... Season 2... Now it's, it's been commissioned for 3 seasons... They wanted it to be a 3 season arc... They're going to have to pull... A rope of magic out of their arse... In order to fucking fix this... And... If they can't they need to hang themselves in that rope. Because that's about as much as they're going to be useful for. I can't believe the show has gone that far out the rails. But I wholeheartedly would recommend you avoid it <laughs> at this point. Because because of how shit it's gone. Um, but yeah that's fucking. I to call it Spiral. Because I talked about how it spirals down the drain. What the fuck's it called? Uh, servant. Also speaking of Spiral. Apparently that's going to be releasing early. Hopefully on demand. I think HBO, I don't know if HBO Max has the rights to that, uh, but I really want to see it. That's going to be the new Saw movie. That's officially set in I think New York, even though they've been in, some, in just some random non-city for a long time. And you've got Samuel L. Jackson and Chris Rock in it, so you get to see what way they wrap all this up. Because I have a soft spot for the Saw movies. I, it's changed over the years, uh, because I mean a lot of them are shit, but they are fun that is one thing like i think because the first one i am mostly just so buttered over the first one being so good and then the rest of them kind of going down such a shitty path that i've blinded myself to the fact that they're all actually quite fun as dumb and stupid as they become particularly from three onwards they are very entertaining there's no one can say any different really um why this come into my head yeah I i was actually talking to my brother about this earlier uh, there's a podcast which I, I've, I've had a similar idea before to talk about just movies, just classic movies that I love and whether they still hold up essentially is is the question I intend to ask with a guest does this movie still hold up and why and there's a podcast called The Rewatchables which I've been, been quite a fan of but the people on it annoy me greatly and they're part of a website called The Ringer The Ringer recently did an article which I, I'm i pretty certain is tongue in cheek. But this is the problem with fucking shit nowadays. Satire basically doesn't exist. Because the world is satire. And I saw this article and I thought. Right if it's bullshit. Or sorry if it's satire then yeah. If it's not they're fucking idiots. But either way people are going to run with this. And what happened was. Right, there's a new. Uh, is that the Versace movie? Or is it Gucci? One of these fucking Italian stupid fucking clothes designer type fucking thing movies, uh, which has Jared Leto in it. And Jared Leto has decided to shave like the whole front of his head to be bald. So he's got a basically a scaldy fucking, what's the cunt from Kaynon Lynch? <laughs> One of those lads. That like bald but long hair, haircuts, whatever the fuck you call it. And, uh, obviously what, what people would consider is like uglifying because they did the same thing with fucking Christian Bale in uh, American Hustle where he kind of he's balding and he's got like long hair and he's all schlubby which what a, what a fucking ridiculous way that movie went as well like I thought that was really enjoyable and it's now just become one of those movies where it's like oh yeah we all hate it now we're all supposed to hate it It's like no that's a fucking good movie David O. Russell's a good director that's a solid fucking movie. It's very entertaining from start to finish. Is it original? Not hugely. But it's very well made. Very enjoyable. A lot of fun. Great cast. Same thing with Green Book. Green Book is fucking thoroughly entertaining. But now you're supposed to hate it. It's like, oh, shitty movie that didn't deserve to win the Oscar. They said the same about Forrest Gump. Bullshit. Forrest Gump's a fucking great movie. Fuck every one of you to death. Um, but yes, I digress. So the article was about how bald men are losing out on movie roles as a result of attractive haired men uh, who are shaving their heads bald or partially balding for a part now i only skimmed to the article it came off as tongue-in-cheek to me but i just know that this is going to spiral into people running with that and going well I think bald people should be the only people to play bald people in movies and all this nonsense that comes out now and they say it about everything no matter what it is it's like no I am not going to the cinema to see real life I'm going to the cinema to see actors if someone is going to act a certain way whether it be they're playing a trans character I don't give a shit I don't care if Scarlett Johansson does it or whoever fucking does it if you get a real trans actress fine I don't care I just want good quality movies. And if it's an actor, they're acting. That's their job. They're pretending to be something. So if this actress wants to pretend to be a man or vice versa in a role. Then fucking let them. Because that's their job. That's the point. And the same goes for this potential explosion of idiocy with this bald shit. I don't necessarily need you to go. Right, we have to get Jason Staten for this role. Because he's actually bald no get whoever is the best actor for the role and if they can make themselves up to look the part then fucking great let them do it that's all that should matter in these circumstances you're looking at actors i'm not looking at real life i don't care if you and this bollocks as well you're not allowed to have a, an actor with like a big scar on their face be a villain fuck off that's bullshit i, I mentioned this i think if goofy podcasts go ahead i want to make this thing as a god it's a offensive to some group fuck the group I'm watching an actor and a character I don't give a shit how fucking scared their face is in real life or not I want a good film with good performances that is all that matters I know people are going about representation or whatever and fine make a movie if you want to do that but don't shun other movies because it's not representing a small section of something I don't care I know my opinion matters worth fuck. But I don't care. The only thing to me that matters. Is quality movies. That's my fucking two cents. Nobody fucking asked for. Um, but yeah. I just remember. Because I was just talking to my brother about it. We saw that article. And I, again like I said. I, thought, I saw this tongue in cheek. But fucking every Everyone runs with this shit. I could earnestly put out a tweet now. Saying I find it terribly offensive. That actors put on fat suits. Fat cunts like me. Should be allowed to go up and take that role. And if I don't get that role in the next whatever fucking Scorsese movie then it's unfair. Christian Bale gaining whatever 60 pounds from American Hustle. What a scumbag. He took a role away from a genuine fat actor. Get the fuck out of my face. Like th- This is the logic people come up with and it's bullshit. Now Christian Bale has done amazing things with his body which is horrifying and fa- fascinating all at once. You shouldn't just get someone real in there for the sake of going oh look what we did. We've, we've given this person a chance. No the best actor gets it and Christian Bale's the best so fuck off anyway I'm rambling like shit here so I want to finish uh, by talking about these two fucking movies so I watched some trash the other night while I was shit faced uh, as you're supposed to as is law Um, uh, my friend uh, and producer and just general movie hero uh, Ed King who will be a guest on this podcast, uh, which will be just this is gonna be a four hour podcast when it happens, I guarantee you. But uh, he put me on to this Killer Crocodile movie. Now, I know that I think it was 88 films released a big special edition of the first two movies together, or the only two I don't know how many there have been actually, but two movies together. Uh, and he had a copy of the, the Severin release of Killer Crocodile. So, you? take that it's good fun give it a look and uh, this is a problem i have with a lot of italian movies which appears to be mostly italian movies where i find very few of them are middling i think when italian movies are good they are some of the fucking now this is very this very specific to italian horror i should say and a lot of euro crime stuff too but older italian movies in that genre, not not like Fellini drama proper stuff, but stuff like horrors. When it's good, it is the best. It is Dario Argento with Deep Red and Suspiria and Lucio Fulci stuff. Like it's absolutely brilliant. And then there's there's no middle place. There's just dog shit. And it's very irritating because there's so much appeal to Italian cinema. The artwork, the atmosphere, the weirdness, the gore. It, it interests me in so many fucking ways. But a lot of them seem to let me down. And this is one, first of all, I can't believe this was made in 89. This movie looks like it was shot in the mid-70s. Uh, but this one looked like it was going to be a piss take. Well, not a piss take. A rip off of Jaws. And that 80's movie Alligator It looked like it was Going to be something like that but a gigantic Killer crocodile Going around eating people And people need to go Stop it This crocodile Changes size About fucking 50 times Throughout the movie Between fairly large To gargantuanly Fucking big But the problem With this film is Right There's, there's a few scenes Of the, the crocodile Eating people And some funny action And some one liners And cheesiness And that's all great. But in between that is just the most slow. Painfully boring. Shite of just some camera sloshing through some swamp water. For what feels like an eternity. I'd say a genuine 30 minutes of screen time is dedicated to. Seaweed and water moving around the place. And it's so fucking boring. And such a shame for a movie that advertises. Endless crocodile fun. (laughs) <laughs> like which is the dumbest sentence. That's like a fucking phone sex line um, for lizards. But it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. And it's such a shame. And I I regret putting it on first because the movie that followed was like a a, a jolt of electricity. And it's exactly it is the perfect perfect kind of trash. That I want to see, and had I put it on first, I would have really enjoyed it. And then I probably would have had a nice, cozy nap during uh, <laughs> Killer Crocodile. But I suppose, suppose that was a good way to actually make me watch it because I was more excited about watching this follow-up film. And The follow-up film is 1982, which I thought was the 70s also. Uh, a movie called Raw Force. Now I only picked this up a few weeks ago. Uh, One Hundred One Films released it. Now it's actually. The exact vinegar syndrome release. Now I don't, I, I can't remember if all the extras are the same. Uh, one of the extra featurettes is. And the actual transfer of the movie. Is the vinegar syndrome one. The logo and everything comes up at the end. This movie. Is what I would sell my own bollocks for right now. To just see in the lighthouse. With cans and a crowd of people. This is the perfect embodiment of trash. And. <laughs> I don't even know how I'm going to explain this. I, I I don't have it in front of me to read from, which I think will make this explanation a bit more interesting. But I'm going to try explain what this film is about, and I don't think it's I don't think it's even possible to spoil this movie because I don't even know how to describe it. But the basic idea is I think it's the Burbank Kung Fu Club are going on a tour through the philippines and to get there they take a cruise ship where the captain is cameron mitchell who if you're a red letter media fan you'll know that he's had a pretty much throughout the 80s and 90s uh, of his final years in a career of basically playing them sitting down doing as little as possible for an easy paycheck but he was actually considered a heartthrob when you see him in blood and black blood and black lace and he's fucking brilliant in it too he's actually quite convincing he's one of those actors where like obviously he's in crap and he has crap dialogue but he's actually I believe every word that comes out of his mouth believability is such an important part of acting like you can have these crying really hard intense angry heavy emotional actors but then you just have people who they just sound like they're talking to you in a pub and it's totally real and I believe it and that's what he's like but he's the captain of this ship and on the ship there's also uh this female martial arts detective <laughs> and her sister. I hope you're hope you're with me now. So Martial Burbank martial arts crew or whatever the fuck, Kung Fu Club, are on this to go on their tour. Simultaneously, there's this crazed money mad criminal who looks exactly like Hitler, who has a group of martial arts ponytail henchmen. Who they traffic women to this island of monks. Who use the women. To resurrect. Oh hang on I've left something in Kiev. (laughs) No actually I didn't. So the island of monks. Is actually an island where. Disgraced martial artists. Are buried. And these monks use these women to resurrect. These disgraced martial artists. As martial arts. Zombies. Who move slow. But fight fast. And. They do this. In exchange for. Jade. To give to. Hitler. And his ponytail friends. So there's a jade tomb there. Or jade mines. And. This. Hitler guy. Is worried that the people on the yacht are going to go to this island and ruin everything so he attempts to kill them all which then allows for them to find the island and it builds up into a gigantic action-packed brawl shootout i don't know what the fuck between everyone now i wanted to try explain that best i could because i told ed after we were talking about Killer Croc and this. I said I'd do my best to explain <laughs> Raw Force. And I think I barely scraped the surface. Because this movie is just filled to the brim. With fight scenes. Some of which are quite cruddy. Some of which are Bruce Lee level speed. Well done. Choreographed. Deadly. Some are just ugly brutal fucking slug fests. Which look class as well. Like they just improvised it And it's real... Just gritty. It's full of gratuitous nudity. There's just tits left, right and centre. And bush. You can't forget that. There's surprising amounts of pretty bloody fucking scenes of gore. There's constant shootouts. There's, as I said, crazed cannibalistic monks with zombie martial arts masters all fighting each other with bazookas and machine guns and swords and fists and Cameron Mitchell and it all works and it was a fucking blast it's probably the most fun trash movie I've watched in a while it will get multiple fucking viewings from me I actually think I did mention it in the last episode because I I talked about how the box was a bit of a fucking letdown. I didn't really. Like Vinegar Syndrome obviously released their version. I think it's a pretty standard edition. But if they did one with like a proper hard box and everything else. I'd be fucking all over that straight away. This one. It just has a pretty bland inside. And it's it's quite disappointing in that sense. But it does have the original artwork. Which I love. And oh man. It is just. It is the perfect. Friday slash. Saturday night. Piss up movie. I Cannot recommend it enough. If you have an opportunity to watch it. Watch it this weekend. Particularly Good Friday when you're supposed to drink. Get absolutely meldy drunk. And watch Raw Force. This Friday night. I guarantee you'll be thanking your fucking lucky stars. And me. That you've made that decision. And that's where I'm going to sign off. Because this went on. This is the longest podcast I've done in a while. Actually it's the only fucking podcast I've done in a while. But this was longer than I expected it to be. Uh, but I'm kind of glad I got to air out well not I say air out but talk about a lot of the shit that I wanted to talk about and uh, and hopefully recommend the most fun weekend you can have so here's here's how I recommend you spend this fucking Easter weekend I reckon you watch bad whatever the fuck it's called no hmm, this is hard to recommend now because I don't know whether Saturday or Friday is better. I'd say... Right. Here's how I recommend you do it. Saturday. No. Friday night. You watch... Bad. What's it called? Bad trip. You just, you just treat yourself to Friday night. It's, you, well, you wouldn't have been working. But you know what I mean. Friday night you watch Bad Trip. Saturday. In the evening you throw on The Empty Man. And you get spooked and you enjoy that and you get really invested in it. And then to wind down from the tension you crack open copious amounts of alcohol and you throw on raw force and you get meldy. That's your homework. Everyone's homework who listens to this for this weekend. To enjoy it to its fullest. And I think uh I think there'd be a lot of happy customers if that's what they do. So on that irresponsible note thank you for listening if you made it this far because <laughs> uh, uh, yeah this this is a ranty one and jeez uh, I'm trying to even I don't even know where to start with actually naming this or fucking because I tried to come up with interesting names but I don't know halfway to 100 that's what this is called or something similar I don't know fuck off thanks for listening you're all cunts goodbye